Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. If we haven't met, my name is Ryan Moore. I'm the pastor of CARE here at the Life Christian Church. Um, We are starting our new series today, uh, The Way to Greater Life. And um, as we're, we're focusing on the book of Hebrews, I want to look at the theme today of that greater life, and that is to stay focused on Jesus. The New York City Marathon is one of the six world marathon majors. It's a 26.2-mile race, which has been held in New York since 1970. It is the largest marathon in the world, and since 2013, every race except one had over 50 thousand finishers. There are familiar names in the history of the New York City Marathon, like Greta Waits, who's a nine-time New York City Marathon winner. There's Bill Rogers, who won the New York City Marathon four straight years from 1976 to 1979. And there's Ibrahim Hussein, uh, who became the first Kenyan winner of the New York City Marathon in 1987. He won it And he did it in two hours, 11 minutes, and one second. During his career, he finished in the top 10 in all of the four races of the New York City Marathon. All three of these individuals are in the New York Roadrunners Hall of Fame. But I find it interesting that for most people who run in the New York City Marathon, it wasn't necessarily to win the race, because you only really have a handful of hopefuls that you go, they can actually win the race. But it was all about finishing the race and staying in the race. It was what they call their, their, they want to be able to stay focused in the race and finish it. It was about doing what they set out to do. The key was staying in the race all the way to the end and doing their best along the way. Runners call it their PB, which is their personal best. And so today's reading from Hebrews chapter 12 was written to encourage Christians to keep going in their faith and to never give up. Hebrews chapter 12 compares following Jesus to running a race, a long race, an ultra marathon rather than a sprint. But the author gives us all the tools that we need to running well in our spiritual journey. Let me give you some context. Last week, Pastor Terry did an amazing, powerful job of teaching through Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. And so let me recap that so it sets us up for today. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer lists 17 people. He names them, and some are not named, who are honorably mentioned as being men and women of faith. People who exercise trust in God during very difficult situations in their own lives. And what we find here is the writer of Hebrews is going to continue that thought in chapter 12. Chapter 11 is basically saying to us, when these men and women, they exercise such great faith, even though they did not yet see the Messiah. Here we are now today, and as the writer of Hebrews as well, post-crucifixion of Christ, and we have the full revelation of Jesus, and he's died on the cross for our sins. How much more should we be men and women of faith? People that we saw in the Old Testament were men and women of faith. If they hadn't seen Christ, how much more should we follow after Christ and journey with him 
because we have the full revelation of God. How much more should we be people of faith now that Christ has actually come and died on the cross for our sins? And so this is the train of thought throughout Hebrews chapter 12. And so when we get to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, he says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So we have to pose the question today, how do we run effectively in this Christian journey? And the author gives us our first point of the day, and he says this, as free as you can, as free as you can. Verse 1 says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Running by yourself can be a lonely experience. You'll find yourself thinking how tired you are, how hard it is to keep going. However, during a race, you're energized by the crowd cheering you on. And I'm told that most runners will feed into that response of the cheers and not really look at their personal fatigue. It's always easier to run with someone else. When you do things with another, you can spur each other on and there's accountability. In that sense, this is what the Old Testament saints in Hebrews chapter 11 are for us. As we read their stories, we are encouraged. We see that sense that they are people who dared to truly trust after God. Their experience then fuels our experience. So the text is saying, others have run before us, living lives of faith and dependence upon God. They already crossed the finish line. Men like Moses and Joseph and David, women like Sarah and Rahab, who triumphed through their faith. And so some of us may be thinking sitting here today, man, that's the hall of faith, Ryan. Moses and David and Sarah. But the point here that the author is making that these men and women didn't accomplish great things because they were just amazing people. God took normal people and did such amazing things through them because of their faith. It's a list of fallen people who put their trust in God and watched him do amazing things. So the scripture says, therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And so what is a witness? The word witness here refers to a person who gives testimony in a court of law. In other words, someone can bear witness or testify to something he or she has done. And that's truly certainly what these Old Testament saints did. They bore witness. They gave great testimony through their lives of the grace of God and the possibilities of a life of faith. Their lives of faith are evidence to us, so to speak, to which they direct our attention that God is worthy. God is worthy to be trusted in all things. If this is the meaning of the word, then it isn't so much that they're looking at us but we are actually encouraged to look to them that their witness in what they did and accomplished is an encouragement to us. It strengthens us and it reminds us of what can be accomplished when we exercise faith in God. If we can look to them 
as an example, we need to then run this race effectively, but we also need to run freely. That's why the text says, lay aside every weight and sin. Athletes know that to be successful, running or swimming, you got to be fast, but you need to be light. So that's what that's why they wear very lightweight gear when they're running or even swimming. Some swimmers actually even shave their head so that they carry no excess weight on their bodies. I don't know how to swim. <laughs> in a similar way, to be successful in our Christian race, we should throw off anything that might slow us down, anything that could be hindering our faith or inhibiting our love or destroying our hope in Christ. So it's important to realize that the things that may be holding us back in our faith or impeding our progress in this journey need not always be bad things. They could be very good things that are just getting in the way of our walk with Christ. So I wanted to illustrate today um, with this book bag and these weights that should be here somewhere in this bag. Oh, there they go. They're back. All right. So the weights, here they go, are going to represent things that are in our life. Like I said, not necessarily bad things, but they're things that we enjoy. And the book bag will just be sin, the monkey on our back. So take the weights. What are the weights? Let me give you a couple of examples. We love watching sports. We love entertainment. We like watching Netflix, binging a bit, playing video games. But what happens? It starts to take away our time from devotion to God. It's a weight. Maybe it's a relationship that you've entered into. And in this relationship, the person doesn't share your values or doesn't even share your faith. So now this friendship, this relationship, this person is a weight. Maybe it's work. You're working real hard. You're putting in a lot of hours. You're chasing a dream, but you have no time for God. It's a weight. Maybe it's something you're holding on to in life that God is saying, stop holding on to it. Let it go. I have something better. It's a new season for you. It's a weight. And so it's really hard. You can run. I'm not going to pull anything while I preach, <laughs> but you can run. But after a while, you get tired. And it's not the way God wants you to run the race. And so he says, drop the weight. Put the weight away. Lay it aside, right? But then he says this. We are to what? Drop or lay aside every weight. And then he says, and sin, which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. What are we to get rid of? The writer mentions the sin that so easily hinders our progress. That's different for all of us. And all sorts of sins can keep us from what? Running and winning in the race. That's the deception of sin. We think sin is harmless. We think it can't hurt anyone, but it does. It's just a little problem that I have, but we don't realize it's weighing us down. It's keeping us from the race that God wants us to run. So how do we get rid of it? How do we win over sin by what? Focusing on that sin? No, we are to win by focusing on the race and the finish line. 
The sin that keeps getting you down is keeping you from racing the way God wants you to race. And it's obvious that if we're going to win this race, we need to deal with sins. But this is slowing us down in the race. How do we do this? We have to live then because we have a high priest. We have to live as though our high priest is the one who has shed his blood, which he has, and thrown down death. We have an advocate then with the Father. And so this race is then a race of faith that believes God forgives. God has granted us forgiveness. And so how do we take this thing off? It's a race of repentance. When we confess our sin, when we say to God, God, you saw that thought, you saw that desire, you saw that action, forgive me. Cleanse me, accept me, help me, grant me renewal and strength to overcome. We know by faith that we are not losing ground because of our confession, but actually we are gaining ground. And so as I'm running, I can run now because I'm light and I can run the race that God intended me for run as I keep focus on the race and God himself. And so we have to ask this question. In my life, is this decision, is this practice, is this relationship, this habit helping me run with endurance, or is it hindering the race that I'm running in? So the author is asking us this question, how do we run effectively in this Christian journey? And point number two is this, he tells us, as focused as we can, as focused as we can. Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, the scripture says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This word looking doesn't quite capture the force of the original text. It, it means something along the lines of fixing one's focus, staring intently without allowing the slightest distraction. Be single-minded in your pursuit of Jesus. Keep the eyes of your faith and your meditation of your heart and the focus of your affections on Jesus only. Failure to do so will inevitably lead us to veer off course. And so he's saying for us, as we, how do we stay focused on Jesus? We have to study Jesus, study Jesus, spend time in prayer, make Jesus your model, be sensitive to his example. Be open to his leading. Worship him. Adore him. Prize him. Treasure him. And so as believers, our role model must be Jesus Christ. We should fix our eyes on him, following his example all the way to glory, because this is the number one and main ingredient to and for a better life. Because the scripture calls Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith, he is the perfect role model and pacemaker for us in the Christian race. You see, Jesus is the author of our faith because our faith is focused on him. He's the object of our faith. We look to him alone for our salvation, and he's the one we're hoping to spend eternity with. But in the meantime, Jesus is also a great example to us of perseverance in the face of hardship. 
Verse 3 reminds us that Jesus endured opposition from sinful men, culminating in his crucifixion. Yet his trust in God never faltered. So consider what he went through. And our race, our struggles don't look so impossible anymore. The risen, ascended Jesus is able to keep us going in our faith. Verse 2 tells us that he now sits at the right hand of God, at the right hand of God. Christ constantly is now at the right hand of God in the position of authority. And what is he doing here? Christ constantly prays for us in the presence of the Father, asking him to help us overcome any and all obstacles in the race. And from this throne, Jesus pours out his spirit upon us, giving us power to persevere in faith, giving us power to persevere in hope, giving us power to persevere in love. And so our Christian life and faith begins by God's grace and it continues by God's grace. I want you to know this, our journey of faith will never be without Christ's constant presence and his constant help. It's there at all times for us. But he's also there awaiting for our cries of help, our prayers that come to him. Hebrews chapter four calls it the throne of grace. For it is there our great high priest intercedes for us. It is there that he offers mercy and he offers help in our time of need. And so when we falter, when we trip up, when we fall, he waits for us. And he waits for us with his mercy and his grace to help us in our time of need. He's there to encourage us then, to give us aid, and also to remind us that no matter how shameful our sin may be, or no matter, no matter our guilt that we feel at that time, his grace is deeper. There's a song, I believe, that says, you know, if God's grace is an ocean, then we're all sinking. Well, thank God for his grace, and we can sink in it. It never will run dry. Amen. Jesus is our ultimate model. He finished the race, and now we are called to fix our eyes on him. Not on our sin, not on our failings, but on him. So we extinguish the deceitful passions of sin by fixing our eyes on the person and the work of Jesus Christ because he settled the issue when it comes to sin once and for all on the Christ. Thanks be to God. And so the third point of us running effectively in our Christian faith is to be as faithful as you can. Be as faithful as you can. Verse 3 says this, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is certainly easier said than done. Endurance must be built up over time. No one suddenly says, I think I'm going to run a marathon today um, and actually does it, especially at 26.2 miles, unless you've been training and, and bringing about endurance to survive a marathon. So in the same way, we must train ourselves to endure in our faith. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. 
So we need to train ourselves not to panic when trials and difficulties come into our lives because what? Jesus warned us they would come. He says in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Thank God for that verse, because what it says to us is when trials do come, we can overcome them because Christ was victorious. And because of the victory that Christ had, we also walk now in victory as well. Amen. Paul told us that all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. There'll be stuff that comes our way. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. There'll be stuff that comes our way that can shake us, but not knock us out. And so in the early church, the disciples rejoiced to be able to suffer with Jesus and for him as well. The Bible then tells us that the best way to, to develop endurance or faithfulness in this race is to not look at our experience, but to keep our eyes on Jesus. When we look at Jesus, we, we see something very important. He endured the cross. He endured shame. He endured the doubters. He, he even endured the dullness of his own disciples. How was he able to do that? The Bible tells us he kept focused on the joy that was awaiting him. Jesus knew where he was headed. He knew that the trials he faced were going to basically make him be able to what? Redeem his creation. He knew that this life was a temporary journey and his eternal place would be seated at the right hand of the father in authority where he's at today. As long as he kept focused on where he was headed, he was able to endure and overcome any obstacle. So you and I would benefit greatly from that same kind of focus. Anyone who has run track knows that you're, you're not supposed to look at the other runners while you're running. Why? Because you take your eyes off the finish line. Instead of focusing on the other runners, you press on to the finish line. This is true with uh, other sports as well. We have to remember where we're headed. You'll hear often coaches will say to their team, let's stay focused on our goals to win the championship. If, if we focus on our personal achievements or we let our guard down after a big victory or even a devastating defeat, we'll lose sight of the goal. Once we break eye contact of the goal, we quickly get distracted. And so we must continually be reminded and remind ourselves to be faithful in this race, that the Lord is faithful and he has promised to see us through every situation. He promises that he will what? He'll never leave us. He will never forsake us. He, he told us that no one can snatch us out of his hand. He told us that he's done everything necessary for our salvation. As long as we hold on to the promises of God, we can run with endurance and we can be faithful to the end. The race of the Christian life is not easy. It's not an easy journey because trials do come in this life. The, the path that leads to glory is not always smooth sailing. What happens when we veer off course? How can we get back in line? Because things will come unexpectedly that is no fault of our own. We live in a broken world. Things do happen. 
And I want you to know that when we do get into those situations that sometimes we can conclude that God must have turned his back on us or maybe he's punishing us for our sin. I want you to know that's not biblical. A lot of things happen in this world that we have no control over because we live in a fallen world. It's not God trying to punish us at all. This is how we feel at times, and I believe the audience in Hebrews in this book, they felt the same because look what they were going through. They were facing persecution. They were being believers faithful to Christ, and their land was being taken away from them. The government was in early stages of trying to wipe out Christians. So for them, it must have been really tempting to either be in despair or just say, you know what? God has turned his back on us. Forget it. I quit. And so the author draws three different pictures or analogies in these next couple of verses of the parent, the trainer, and the physical therapist. These three pictures will help us see the hand of God when difficulty does come and how we can stay on course and how God keeps us on course. Number one, the analogy of a parent is found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 through 10. It reads this, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected, it, respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? Verse 10 says, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Let me define that word discipline for you, biblically speaking. The goal of Christian discipline is to mature us, to educate us, to strengthen us, to mold us in more and more into the likeness and the holiness of Christ. So when God disciplines, he is showing how much he loves us. We know how much we are his children when we are disciplined and we learn something about God on a deeper level and we're more fruitful for him. Discipline, when it comes to God, isn't punishment or abuse because when it comes to God, he's already taken care of the punishment of sin on the cross. It's done with. He's not going to punish us. We're in grace relationship with him. So the argument here is that the good parent knows they must discipline their child. Hebrews reminds us that we only discipline our own children, not the children that belong to someone else. It's in the same way with the Lord. He only disciplines those who is part of his family. He will judge others, but he will not train and discipline them because they don't belong to him in that sense. And so as parents, consider the many things we require of our children that they find burdensome, boring, physically or emotionally difficult. Things like, would you clean the dishes tonight? Do some chores around the house, please. Clean your room. We insist, devote extra time to your studies. Now, we're not punishing them. What are we doing? We're disciplining them to grow up and mature and be prepared for what life will what? Will send to them and throw at them in later years. And so the point is that God's discipline does not suffer from inconsistencies. God's motives are always good. He's always disciplining us for good and for our good. We also see the analogy of a trainer. 
in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. The scripture says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, what does it produce? A harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The word for trained in the in this New Testament is gymnasium. It points us to the idea of exercise. What does it mean to train? It means to push our bodies, to make our muscles do what they don't want to do. We, we put them under resistance, and so they push back, and in that process, our muscles get bigger, right, or stronger. If you work with a trainer, you'd find out that the program that he has for you and the program that he has for somebody else is totally different. Why? Because he's trying to meet you where you're at, and then you can grow, right? And so God's job is that he's a trainer. His job is to help us grow. His job is to help us develop in faith. He's more committed to it than we are at times. And the way he does this is by allowing difficult circumstances to come into our lives. And he uses those realities as part of our training regimen. Through the hardships of life, we learn to walk by faith and hold tight to the truth. But the final picture we get is the analogy of the physical therapist. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 and 13 says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. If you've ever had surgery or know someone who's had surgery, one of the great dangers after surgery is the desire to stay in bed because of the pain. But after the surgery, you're sore. And what happens? A physical therapist walks into your room and says, okay, today we're going for a walk. And you go, really? <laughs> the therapist says the only way to overcome this pain is to get up and walk. Because the danger of staying in bed is that your, your muscles will get weaker and atrophy will settle in. And if you don't push them, you won't grow strong enough. And your muscles won't be able to carry you ever again. And so the parallel to our walk with Christ, I hope you see is very easy. If we always choose what is safe without pain or risk, we'll never grow in faith. And so the Lord, like the therapist, puts us into situations when we need to get out of our comfort zone and take a few steps. He'll challenge us to get stronger and in these times, we need to trust what we know. What do we know? We know that God is good. We know that God is loving. We know that God is wise. And we also know God does not make mistakes. So we need to remind ourselves that we are his children. We are sons and daughters of the most high living God, and we belong to him. And so the Hebrews were facing some very hard times. Some would be beaten. Some would be exiled. There was nothing easy about it. And so the writer encouraged them. And God's word still speaks to us today to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on God's word. Why? Because Jesus is the author. He's writing. He wrote your story. Things in life happen. 
and he rewrites the story because he's our author. And the great thing about the text says not only is he's our author, he's the perfecter of our faith. And so the trials that come our way, God uses them to perfect us, to make us more and more in the image of God. And so when people see us and we're being perfected by the author, they really see Christ living within us. May I offer a prayer? Father, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love towards us. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, dying. And that the punishment has been taken care of. You tell us now to look to you to continue to run faithfully, freely, focused. Father, there's so many things that come our way that distract us. And so you use these pictures to keep us on track, to mold us, to be more and more like you. Help us, Father, as we go about our journey to run with endurance, keeping our eyes on Christ because he's the author and finisher, the perfecter of our faith. We thank you for all you're going to do and what's already done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.